Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are bringing hope and impacting our community by leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe your life will be transformed through this week's message. So let's jump right into it. Well, awesome. Wow, what a, gr- a lot of great events, right? Pastor Ben said that uh, actually T.C. Stallings, the star of that movie, will be here in Leesburg at the end of the month for a special men's conference over at First Baptist. So guys, that's part of Brotherhood. You need to sign up, find out information. They'll be sending out an email, text. It'll be a great opportunity. It's great to see you. Look at your neighbor and smile. Maybe they haven't had a smile all day today. And let them know how glad you are to see them today. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for life. We thank you for allowing us to be born here in the United States where the gospel is um, all around us. And we thank you, Father. And I pray today that you will help me to say what you want me to say. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't say. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you'll anoint the words today. Help us to hear you, Lord, today. And I pray that you might be glorified, the saints might be edified, and the enemy might be terrified in the name of Jesus. Wow. So we're in this series, I Love My Church. You know, it's not... It's not uh, uncommon to hear people say, I love football, I love the Jags who can pull it out at the last minute, right? Or I love ice cream. But when somebody says, I love my church, people think, well, that's weird, that's self-serving. But listen, if Jesus loves the church, so should we. The Father's house isn't a building, it's people. But on Sunday mornings, we get together in this building to see lives changed, and then we discover the mission for our life. And we also discover what he wants us to be and do. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at that. This church that Jesus established. People sometimes say, well, you know, I love love Jesus, but I'm just not sure about the church. Because, you know, I've been hurt, you know. And, you know, so stand in line if you've been hurt. Who hasn't been hurt, right? But just because you had bad coffee one time, you don't give up coffee because you had one bad restaurant experience. You don't give up on eating. I mean, just look around you. You can see that's not a problem here. (laughs) People say, well, I don't need the local church to be a believer. You're right. And you know what? You don't need to go home every night to be married. You can stand before a judge or a church and be, say, the covenant and be married and never go home. And guess what? You're not going to have much of a marriage, and you're certainly not going to have a relationship. So when people say, well, you know, I love the church, but uh, I love Jesus, but I I don't care for the church, uh, that's not understanding. Ephesians 5 and 23 says Christ is the head of the church. So we can't decapitate Jesus from his body. The church has an integral part to play in our life. I love this passage of Scripture in the message. Look at this. All this energy... Issues from Christ. God raised him. Look look at this phrase. God raised him from the death and set him on a throne in deep heaven. In charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He's in charge of it all. Has a final word on everything. At the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. 
The church, read it with me out loud, this last sentence. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts, by which he fills everything with his presence. Hey, we're all wearing these shirts. I love my church. It's a great testimony tool. On the back, it says this. To the person behind me, I hope you know Jesus loves you beyond measure. I pray he blesses you today with love, the person in front of you. And then it has a little QR code that people can clip on with their phone and it'll take them to the website and learn information about how much that Jesus loves them and cares for their lives. So I'd encourage you to buy them, work with them, and uh, use it at work, use it at school, at the gym. And let people know that you love Jesus and you love his church. So let me review from last week. We said we need to understand that the church has a mission. The church's mission is not anybody sit down and say, well, let's have a mission. Let's feed the homeless or let's do that. That'll be our mission. But Jesus gave the mission to the church. Now, there are various ways that mission is accomplished, but he gave the mission to the church. Remember, from the very first conversation to the very last conversation, it's all about pursuing people. Pursuing people. Say that with me. Pursuing people. Listen, pursuing people, not just so we can say, I got another one. No, but it's because that we can let that love of Jesus show through us because Jesus' love language, we said that last week, is what? People. So Jesus, one day, was walking along the shore of the Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, Peter, and Andrew, throwing nets into the water, for they fish for a living. Jesus called them, look at this on the Sky Bible. Jesus called them, come follow me, read it with me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. And then his last conversation, look at this, Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So the church has a clear directive of a mission. And so if that's Jesus' mission, then as a follower, that should be my mission. How many of you anticipate or looking forward to the return of Jesus? Would you raise your hand? Say, yeah, I believe that. I'm looking forward to that. Let me tell you what's holding it up. Let me tell you what's holding it up. Here's what the Bible says in Matthew 24, 14. This gospel, this good news of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and what? And then the end will come. The end will come. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have, I'm going to draw people from every distinct language group in which there is some 16,000 language groups I'll have someone from every language group around the throne. In fact, look at this verse, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, every people's group, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes, held palm branches in their hands, and what were they saying? Say it with me. And they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. 
So today I'm saying that our responsibility is this. Our responsibility is to complete that task. Making disciples. How do we do that? Well, we're going to love God. We're going to love people. We're going to make disciples. How do we do that? We do that by spreading the good news of Jesus. That's not a suggestion. He doesn't say, I suggest that the Father's house make disciples. No, he says, I command you. If you're my church, if you're my people, you make disciples. So listen, think about this. If reaching all people is Jesus's goal, Shouldn't that be my goal? Shouldn't that be my goal? So let me ask you, is the goal of your life to spread the good news everywhere? That should drive every one of us. But here's what I want us to think about today. What if we don't? What if we, what happens, what happens to people around the world who never hear the gospel when they die? That's pretty important. Because there's estimated some 2 billion people in the world today, and that number is going up every day. Now, most of us as Christians in America, we don't really think about 2 billion people who've never heard the story of Jesus. Or, we just hardly ever think about it. But what about their eternity? I want to show you five truths from the book of Romans that might help us with this. I'm going to hit these pretty quick. Number one, truth number one. Everyone has a knowledge of God. Everyone has a knowledge of God. Look at this verse. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. He said, well, I don't understand that. Well, I don't either. But he's, here's, what, here's what Scripture said. He's made it obvious that he is God. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God has made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Amen. Plain and simple. The Bible is saying that all people everywhere have a knowledge of God. No matter where they live, God has made himself known to them in creation, or if not in creation, in their hearts. Why do you think that people groups around the world all have some sort of religious system, some sort of idol, something they built to, that they worship? Here's truth number two. They've rejected God. They've rejected God. Romans 1, 21 through 25. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. Fools. Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped what? idols made to look like mere people, birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile, degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. So here's what he's saying. Every person in the world me and you have all sinned against God. 
We're born with that nature. We've rejected God. That's a reality of sin, and it's a reality of sin everywhere around the world. Truth number three. No one is innocent before God. Romans 3, 10 through 12. As the scriptures say, no one is righteous, no, not one. No one is truly wise, no one is seeking God. All have turned away, all have become useless. No one is good, not a single one. So many times when we talk about two billion people, so many times when we talk about people around the world that are unreached by the gospel, here's a question that I get so many times, but pastor, what happens to that innocent man or woman in some remote part of the world who've never heard the gospel when they die? If you were to ask me that question, listen to me carefully, I would say without a doubt. Based on the Bible and based what you're asking me, an innocent person who would die would go immediately to heaven. They would have a pass to immediately go to heaven. But the problem is, they're not innocent. They're not innocent. They haven't heard the gospel like you and I, but they're not innocent. People say, well, what, what, what are we going to do about that? Well, that's point number four. All stand condemned for rejecting God. You see, sometimes we think, well, I just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. How would a loving God, how would a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't send people to hell. He, he loved us so much that he created a way that people could get to God. But part of the problem is we, we don't really understand that. I think we've taken it ease. We just sort of, well, we're an American. God will take care of us. You know, we're special. No, God loves, listen, God loves people around the world just as much as he does you. The scripture said, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Here's truth number four. All stand condemned for rejecting God. Romans 3, 19 through 20. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses. In other words, you can't do things and keep all the laws and do all the right things and please God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing the law commands. No one can ever be right by God by, by being a good moral person and only doing what's right. Romans 3 and 23. For everyone is sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Jesus Christ, through Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. Read it with me now. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in the past. No amount of God, no amount of good can take the place and cover the sin in our life. You see, if we believe, I heard a pastor of a very large church once say, if we don't get to the people groups of the world, God in his loving compassion will take care of them and he'll make another way. I don't find that in the scripture. I'm sorry. I don't see anywhere you see that in the scripture. Because think about it practically. If that were the truth, then we would be better off not having missions. 
Because once they hear the gospel, then they're required to make a decision according to that philosophy. That'd be like people, people that you rub shoulders with, and there are people in America that have never heard the truth about Jesus. So that'd be like you walking up to them and saying, have you ever heard that Jesus is your Savior? No, I never heard that. Well, then stick your finger in your ears and yell real loud and run from me because you don't need to hear this because you got a pass that's going to get you into heaven because you've never heard the gospel. But I'm sorry, that's not in the word. You can't make it up and say, well, I feel. you got to go with Scripture. And that's why the whole book of Romans all talk about that. Amen. So what are we going to do? Truth number five, they cannot come to God apart from faith in Jesus. I picture when Paul is writing Romans and he's talking about sin and people not understanding. I, I just picture him collapsing in his, in, in his hands and weeping and crying and thinking about the loss around the world. Then I see him dry his eyes and pick up that pen and he writes these verses. Romans 10, 13 through 15. Would you read it out loud with me? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? This is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So what can we do? Well, I think first of all, we can pray. We can pray for the spread of God's praise among all the peoples of the world. Do you realize we have an opportunity to partner with God for this message going around the world through prayer, through kneeling, through driving down the road, through praying, asking the Lord to send labors into the harvest field. I want to ask you, please, please think about this, and, and you don't have to answer out loud. How many of you, in your daily prayers this week, prayed about that global need of people who've never heard the gospel? How many of us this week have prayed, oh God, I pray you'll reach the unreached people groups of the world. Lord, I pray that you'll send a missionary. Somehow, somebody can tell them, people in our own country, in our own county that's never heard the truth of Jesus. I dare say, if I ask you to raise your hand this morning, you would be like me. Several weeks ago when the Lord began to unfold this to me, the purpose that we have, I had to honestly get down on my knees and repent and say, God, I've known about the need, but I repent that diligently and faithfully I have not prayed every day for the spread of your gospel. Sorry, God. Man, I, I lost this one. I should have known better. Why, 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 haven't I, why haven't I been more involved in it? I think a lot of times it's because we think about things are in front of us. Let me show you a map. Look at this map that's on the screen. This is from the Joshua Project people. There are two billion people in the world today that have little or no knowledge of this good news. When you look at the green that's on the map, 
That green is places where the established, there's an established or significant church presence. That doesn't mean that everybody in the green are believers, but it just means that in those places, there are churches and there are Christians who are spreading the good news. See the yellow? The yellow is uh, where formative or nominal churches, you'll see most of Europe, because Europe now is very nominal as far as it comes to Christianity. Weak church presence, compromise, and many of them not proclaiming the gospel. But I want you to look at that 2040 window, the red. That represents unchurched or least church people. They have relatively little or no access to the gospel. There are few churches in that region and few people that are proclaiming the message of Jesus. So here's what I want you to do. Would you take out your phone? I want you to add a global component to your prayer. You can do it now or you can do it later, but it's really good right now. If you go to the app store, when you go to the app store, you can put in The Joshua Project. The Joshua Project. And what will come up is this little picture right here, Unreached of the Day, Joshua Project. Every morning, every morning, you can go to that place, and today, it's the Wolof people. They're from Western Africa, plus there are about uh, 2,000 or so that are in the United States, and they're all in New York City. And so it'll tell you about them. It'll tell you about how to pray for them, And so early this morning, about 5 o'clock, I I brought it up and said, who's the prayer group I'm praying for today? And it was the Wolof people. So I started praying for them. Down at the very bottom of that app, it'll say praying. And when you push that, this morning when I first got up, there were 200 people that were praying for this people group. Right now on my phone, I see almost 1,985 people have gotten up this morning somewhere and said, I'm going to pray for these people groups. I'm going to ask you to use that in your daily prayer time and call out to God that he would send laborers into the harvest field. I'm going to ask you when you meet in your life groups, at the first meeting, I want you to pull that up and say, who are we praying for today? Who are we praying? How are we going to make a difference in their life? 60 seconds praying. God sent forth labors into the harvest field. And then number two, we need to build relationships and share the good news in our sphere of influence. When you came in this morning, you were given the opportunity to get a little blue card like this. If you didn't get this blue card, I want you to raise your hand. The ushers will be happy to try to get you one because people say, well, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to share with people. So we're going to show you today. We're going to give you the card, plus we're going to show you how to do it. So would you welcome our drama team as they're coming out this morning to share us how to share the gospel.
what's new? What's new? I'll tell you what's new. You haven't accepted Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. When are you going to do it? Huh? What's the matter? You chicken? You afraid of God? Afraid he'll make you feel bad for your sins? Huh? Here. This is a tool that will help you have a better spiritual life like me. Now, drop down and give me 25 push-ups. Do it right now. What do you have to say? Give in to Christ. Check, please. Timothy, what did you do this weekend? Well, on Saturday, went to the beach with the kids, swung by the grandparents' house, went out to a nice restaurant on the coastline, and on Sunday, did some shopping and work around the house. Let me be a little more specific. So, where were you between 9 and 1 o'clock on Sunday? Cutting the yard. I knew it. You did not go to church. Why not? I don't know. Is it because you don't believe in God? Uh, well, uh... I knew it. You are not sure of your salvation. And you missed the touch card that was handed out last week. You know, the one that tells you how to have a better spiritual life. Oh, that's right. You didn't receive one because you weren't there. I find you guilty of lack of faith. Next case. Check, please. That seat is taken. Don't worry, brother. I won't be here long. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Uh, well, uh... Have you realized that you are a sinner without accepting Jesus' blood for the redemption of your sins? You will die and live in hell for all eternity? Well, uh, uh no. Maybe you should. Oh, here. Read that in your spare time. Check, please. Remember when you jumped off yeah. the bridge yeah. and you landed on that balloon yeah. and you broke your eye socket uh, in yeah. two? Mm -hmm. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> if you died tonight, where would you go? What? <laughs> if you were to die tonight, where would you go? Heaven or hell? Well, I whoa. Oh, I'm sorry. Was that bad timing? I never get that right. Hey, remember when I jumped off a 16-foot oh, yeah. ladder and didn't die? That, <laughs> check, please. Well, I bought me a new car yesterday. Cars. They're death machines. One minute you're driving down the road to a birthday party. The next minute you're flying through the windshield head first, 
Then you're sprawled out on the blood-soaked concrete. Then your soul slips silently from your body and departs to a place of fire and burning brimstone filled with torment and hate for all eternity. Ah! It doesn't have to be that way. You have to accept Christ before it's too late. Check, please. <laughs> Couldn't hold that one. <clears throat> so you're wondering why I invited you here today. Mm-hmm. My job is tough. I'm about to lose my job at the end of the year. And I'm having so much trouble at home. And I remembered, you were a Christian. Are, can you help me? Absolutely. Actually, by the way, nobody ever gets it all together, so don't worry about that. But what has helped me when I'm going through something that I struggle with, mm-hmm. I know Jesus is right there beside me. Because he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Matter of fact, this touch card that we're going through our church, very simple but very profound. B-A-S-C. Believe. Mm-hmm. Admit. S is actually switch, and E is express your desire to, to know God. So, okay. matter of fact, PT is actually going to do a better sermon on that. I'm getting ready to head to church now. If you'd like to come with me, I'll take you to lunch afterwards. Let's do it. Check, please. <laughs> oh, wow. So, this little card it, that we're giving you today... You can put in your six-pack. We use the six-packs, right, to give out invite cards. So I've got all my invite cards to invite people, the one to give a, reset, uh, to give a server who serves real well. Well, this card actually fits right in there. And it's entitled, The Life You Were Meant to Live, How to Experience a Spiritual Base for Your Life. So people say, you know, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do about my life. You just, ha pull out my card. You can read it with them. You don't have to memorize anything. You just simply say, could I show you, could I show you how to live the life you were meant to live? And then you say, just, it's developing a base. And there's B stands for believe God made everyone to love. You see the A, the switch, and the E. And then on the back, we've even summed it up. You say, well, I don't know how to lead them in prayer. You just say, would, would you pray this prayer with me right now? It's a simple prayer that we can pray together. That, ladies and gentlemen, is worth a million praise gods that you can put in your arsenal and keep with you. So let's use that, right? Build a bridge and use that. Number three thing that we can do is give for the spread of gospel. And I'll talk more about that in the first of February. But number four, just summarizing everything up real here at the end, we can go. We can go. I would love, I would love for everyone that calls the Father's house their church to put boots on the ground on a mission field at least once in your life. Now, this year we, we have a team that's getting ready to go to Africa, and you'll hear about more. Uh, Chris is planning on some taking teenagers on a mission trip. Uh, we're, we're looking at different ways that we can be part of missions. But how many of you, by raising of your hand, somewhere in some time that you've been on a mission field somewhere for Jesus? Would you raise your hand? Look at all this. So we've got quite a few people yet to put boots on the ground, so I would encourage you. Those of you that are going on our Africa trip, where are you? Would you stand? I know we have some in this service that are going to Africa. All right. Those that are going to Africa. Give the Lord a hand. Yeah. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And let me just let me just say so you can put a face to this. Our team leader, our missions team leader, our volunteer team leader is Mike Blackhall. Mike, would you stand? Mike is coordinating all the uh, the things that we do with missions from here on out, and uh, Kristen's going to help him with that as a liaison. We help sponsor lots of missionaries and missionary projects you don't know about. In fact, this week I have a FaceTime meeting with someone in that area where there are unchurched people of how that we can get more involved in that. So I'm going to encourage you to go on a short-term mission trip. I'm going to encourage you to go on a mid-term mission trip, which might be at least two months. Or maybe some of you might say, you know what, I want to go on a long-term mission trip. I believe, I believe if there are two billion people in the world that are lost, I believe in a church the size of this between 600 and 1,000 people whoever shows up on a Sunday. I believe there are some of you that God is calling you to an Acts chapter 13 ministry in which they prayed and fasted and Paul and Barnabas were set apart to go on the mission field. When I end this teaching in just a couple of minutes today, I'm going to give a place for people who've never come to faith in Jesus. And then I'm going to give an opportunity for some of you who feel like you may be called into the mission somewhere around the world. I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand and we're going to pray with you. Because I believe that there are some of you that God has spoken to your heart years ago and you thought it would never happen. There's no way it can happen. Listen, and those that might stand that feel like that God has called them to missions doesn't mean if you don't stand that you're second class. Because it takes all of us working together to make this thing happen. A new term came to me this week as I was studying of people who use their occupation to leverage an opportunity for missions. I read this story about a young lady who is a nurse in Saudi Arabia. In fact, she's the head of a nurse department in the hospital. When she graduated from nursing school, she started looking for a job somewhere as a nurse. And God laid on her heart to go to Saudi Arabia as a nurse, because they need nurses. Do you realize that in that red area around the world, they are begging for teachers, for engineers, doctors, nurses, leaders, people who have business skills. The doors are opening for people to leverage their occupation. And I'm thinking, how many retired people do we have in Central Florida that are not happy to spend the rest of their life playing pickleball or golf? But they feel like God has given them this unbelievable education and ability. What if, what if God's given that all to you that the last days of your life will be the greatest because you'll leverage what he's given you to use somewhere in missions. This nurse that I was telling you about, 
She started on the bottom and worked her way up to she's now the head, is that what you call it? At least the head of the nursing department. You know what she does every week in Saudi Arabia? In that hospital, in the hospital. She leads a, she leads a Bible study talking to people about Jesus. You say, well, doesn't the hospital stop that? No, you know why? She's the best nurse they've got. She has leveraged her education and her occupation to spread the gospel. I believe without a shadow of a doubt, I could be wrong, but I believe without a shadow of a doubt there are some of you that are sitting here this morning and saying, I don't know how that would be, but man, when you said that a few minutes ago, something just sort of clicked in my heart. And I reminded that even when I was a kid that I felt like that God had called me maybe to the mission field. Think about this. Is there any way that you can leverage your job, your education, or your experience? Maybe you're retired. But let's change that word. R-E slash T-I-R-E-D. Get retired. The last of your life will be the best of your life. And God's given you the ability. And we'll do our best to hook you up with... A ministry that can help you work that. And we're going to be working on that this week. And Mike's working on some ways. Here's what I'd like for all of us to pray this morning. It's up on the screen. Would you read it with me? God, I will do whatever you call me to do, no matter the cost, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. God calls each of us to live on mission. We don't just stumble into that. We have to do it on purpose. First of all, I'm going to ask those of you who maybe who have never invited Jesus into your life. I'm going to invite you to place your faith in Jesus. Listen to this scripture that I read earlier, Romans 3, 23 through 25. For everyone who has, has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus. He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sins. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair. So today... I'm going to ask you, if you've never put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, as this church is sitting here today praying for you, and you say, yeah, you know what, I'd like to do that. I want to live my life without a purpose, but I want to live my life for Jesus. I'm not happy the way my life is right now, but uh, if that's you, or maybe years ago you had a relationship with the Lord, you've grown cold in that. Would you raise your hand and say, would you include me in this prayer this morning? I want to be sure today that I put my faith in Jesus. Thank you. Others today say, that's me. Thank you. Others today say, that's me. I want to put my faith in Jesus. And those of you that are watching online, let me lead you in a prayer. Let's pray this prayer. Father God, thank you today for sending your son Jesus to pay for my sins. 
I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I receive Jesus as a sacrifice for my sins. Fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Now, when you leave today, would you stop by the Next Steps table? A book and a Bible I'd like to give you. But I want to make the second invitation today. And I'm going to ask for followers and believers of Jesus. That if you believe that God may be leading you to leave Florida, maybe for at least two months, maybe longer, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand. See, sometimes the mission field is different than what we even imagine. Once we say, I'm willing, God may put you somewhere where you change a lot of lives. I love that. God, I will do whatever you call me to do, even if I don't understand it or see how it's going to happen. No matter the cost, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. If you feel like that may be you this morning, even though you don't understand how that all work, but you say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that. Would you stand? Would you stand? You say, you know, yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. Yeah. That's me. God, I'll do whatever you call me to do, no matter the cost, to get the gospel to people who've never heard it. Now, those of you that are sitting around, some of those that are standing, Acts chapter 13, they laid hands on them and prayed for them. Would you lay your hands and pray for them? Say, Lord, you show how this is going to happen, how this will be accomplished. Father, I pray right now for those who have stood and maybe for those that are online that are raising their hand where they are. And Lord, for others that you're going to call in the next months, in the next weeks, in the next year to leverage their life for the spread of the gospel. I pray for teenagers. God called me to preach when I was a kid. And I'm praying that some of you, your kids, will receive a call to the mission field. You say, oh, what sacrifice? Sacrifice. This world is passing away. We're on our way to heaven. Some of those who spend their life on the mission field will have some of the greatest rewards when they get to heaven. Show us, Lord. Let us live on mission as a church. Let us not be selfish in your name. You may be seated. We're going to talk more about this in the future because we're going to be more focused on our praying, building bridges to people that are lost. And for some of you, partnering with Jesus in reaching people who've never heard the good news 
of Jesus. Would you stand with me this morning? Those of you who stood, would you be sure that you fill out a connection card or at the next steps table, give them your information so pastor, I mean, so that the pastors or Mike or somebody can follow up with you because we want to help you. Let's seal this deal this today. Let's pray together that God would help us to all leave today and to be who he wants us to be. Thanks for joining us. If you said that prayer and surrendered your life to Jesus, it's the best decision you will ever make, and we would like to celebrate with you. We have some tools to help you on your journey. Simply text DECIDED to 352-329-2301. That's 352-329-2301. Join us next time as we continue to love God, love people, and make disciples.